March 21st. Welcome to the Sports Drive, brought to you by Calgary Lock and Safe. Be proactive in protecting your property. Get a full security audit from Calgary Lock and Safe. Visit CalgaryLockandSafe.com. Yeah, it's Steinberg and Ryan Pike with us. What's going on, Pikester? Hi, Pat. I feel like I haven't seen you in several days. It has been several days, and and I think way too long. Uh, We're available on Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, wherever you get your podcasts. We're coming at you from our Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio. And it's time to go inside hockey for Calgary Co-op. The beer tastes better when it's bought from the place that cheers for your team. Visit your local Calgary Co-op wine, spirits, beer today. So, Pike, on Monday's show, I was commenting about the roller coaster ride that it's been cheering for this team this year. If you're a Flames fan, which most of our live listeners and most of our podcast listeners are, you're a Flames fan. And so... Let me just run you through, and you and I were talking a little bit about this over the weekend, I think, as well. But let me just run you through the last, like, 72 hours. So Saturday, Saturday afternoon, Jets and Predators go to overtime. Jets win, which was probably worst-case scenario out of town, okay? Then the Flames that night have two leads in the final, whatever it was, 26 minutes, and they can't close out. They lose in overtime. So Saturday... People were not very happy, and it was kind of like, oh, boy, this, I think it's over. Then Sunday, and I'm not, this is not everybody, but Sunday, the tone after a Jets regulation loss and a Predators regulation loss was, here we effing go, it's right back on. The door is open again. And then they go into Los Angeles on Monday and get the doors and windows and hinges and latches and everything blown right off in an 8-2 loss to the Kings. And now the tone has changed again. And now the tone is they've quit on the coach and they're done and it's over and you might as well just wave the white flag with 11 games to go. And this is not a criticism. This is not a criticism in any way, shape, or form. In fact, I would be frustrated if fans weren't like that because that would mean that we're talking about a group of fans that are apathetic and that we'd be talking about a group of fans that are checked out. And You don't want that. So this is not a criticism at all and, that the tone has been so up and, and down. And judging from your, faith, your, your uh, social media mentions and mine, Fans are anything but checked out right now. No, I think it's the, and that's a good thing. So I am not being critical at all. It's, it's more just a comment on how hard this team has been to cheer for this year. And I cannot remember Pike a year where they have taken their fans on this type of ride. This has got to be because you and I, we cover the team. We obviously, it's it's better for us when they do well. You get more readers. I get more downloads and listeners. Our station does better when the team is good. And playoffs are fun. 
It's fun to cover a team that is playing in a best of seven series. La- la- last year, you you and I, just speaking for the two of us, I think we both had a blast covering that, that Dallas series. Really and the really fun. That, that, yeah. And when you and I had never covered a playoff battle of Alberta, the first, last one had happened was when we were small children. So we wouldn't have had the opportunity in, unless there's labor laws in the nineties that didn't quite work the way they do now. But yeah, like it was, it's a, it's a blast for, for media types when there's interesting and positive, interesting things happening. But by virtue of the job we do, we're not fans the same way you are right now listening. And I can't imagine what it would be like to be a full-on fan of this team. I mean, I can. I'm in a group chat with a couple idiots who all we talk about is the fan of the Flames, and I I ride their highs and lows, and I or I see it with them. And and I'm in you know lots of other personal friends that that you text on a regular basis are fans. I read our text line. I. Sometimes read my Twitter mentions depending on the night. Um, so, so I like I get. I just I don't remember a year that has taken uh, a passionate and loyal group of fans on a ride quite like this one. What what is like? It seems you know we we had. It seems like it's been the ups and downs of the previous eight seasons crammed into one. In the sense that you know we since since you know the the Bradford Living era, for lack of a better term, fourteen fifteen, we had the find away flames where it was dramatic comebacks every other night, and it was you know like okay, and then fifteen sixteen things corrected a bit. The flames just weren't nearly as good, but they were consistently not as good. So it wasn't really that much of a roller coaster. Sixteen seventeen, oh here we go again. The team's better now. It seems like we've had like the 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 highs and lows of those kinds of seasons all crammed into 71 games so far and it's been very odd it's like i do you do you feel like we've really seen the team really get everything going at once <laughs> oh. they they you could argue they haven't had more than half of the their the elements of their game going at once and that's probably why we're ta- having this conversation right I now i mean maybe on on a few nights you could say that they've had everything going but on a consistent basis for any meaningful stretch of time, by no means have they been able to do that this year. What a strange, strange season. Because, like, even, you know, I, I did a, a lengthy piece uh, for FlamesNation.ca just sort of looking at the macro of the team, sort of the the macro trends, you know, scoring differentials, expected goals, those kind of things, trying to figure out what is up with this hockey club. And the 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 nuts and bolts of the team are good possession team, even if you take out, you know, the, the the volume of their shots and just look at shot quality, shot quality is good enough that they should be able to win more often than not. And sure, if if you if you're relying on, you know, the bounces, it's it's a sport of people who make mistakes, and you know that's that's kind of what the fun part of the game is sometimes, just waiting to see who's going to outperform someone else. But it's it's been when they played well, sometimes they've been bashed over the head with the percentages. And when they've played poorly, sometimes they've also been <laughs> bashed over the head with the percentages. And it's no, no better example of that than, than uh, the game on Monday night. I mean, eight to two, if you go, Ooh, goalies gave up eight goals. They must've not been very good. Goalies were fine. They weren't great, but you wouldn't, you wouldn't look at the eight goals against and go, man, everyone else did their jobs except the goalie. Mistakes were made in every single goal, yes. but mistakes were made, and the Kings, you know, like a a, a lion devouring, uh, you know, uh, their prey. It was, you know, something happened, quick mistake, boom, they're on it. Yeah, the and, flames. The flames were like a baby hyena. 
Yeah, on, uh, in, it was they were they the were desert. they were a wounded gazelle, and then as soon as they went, oh, we lost the puck, boom, dead. Every time it was like, give credit to the Kings. The Kings were really good. I think we don't want to bury the lead here, where it's like, oh, the Flames weren't very good. The Flames weren't very good, and. LA is a team that right now is tied for first place in the Pacific Division. They've been rolling since about Christmas. They're very good. They're still missing some key pieces, but without a couple of their key pieces, with some guys that are still trying to figure out their places on a new team, they were rolling. And the, the Flames were barely in that game. So it's funny because as as Monday's show was going on and, and we were talking about where the Flames sat and the opportunity they had in front of them in that Kings game, Somebody texted in and said, uh, the optimism, a lot of optimism right now from Flames fans. That means a guaranteed loss. And and I was thinking about that quite a bit um, as, the, uh, as the game went along. That text was sticking in my mind as the first intermission began and they were down 4 nothing, and the second intermission began and they were down 6-1, so on and so forth. And there was a lot of optimism on, on Monday's two hours prior to the game because they did have this opportunity to move within two points of the Jets. And and the crazy part is that could still happen on Tuesday. We'll, 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 but but the, the the optimism was high. I'm just and 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 I'm curious if you were listening on Monday and were glass half full. I don't blame you. Again, no criticism at all. And if you've swung the complete opposite way, no criticism at all. I'm just curious as to where you are after that debacle. Do you are you still glass half full or are you like no? Fool me once, shame on me. Fool me six times, shame on. Like, I, I, I'm really curious and on yeah. the text line where you are. Yeah, and you know, honestly, if you looked at that, even this Saturday's game, Saturday's game was the best and the worst of the Flames. But if you came out of that game, I mean, personally, looking at the the, the body of work they had, I went, yeah, they they were playing against a really good Dallas team, and they got down early a couple times and managed to battle back and and make it to overtime. I mean, they. Would you have liked to have gotten two points out of that one? Yeah. But I think if you take that effort and go, oh, okay, that, that's what they're capable of, it's kind of perplexing that they also look the way they did against L.A. because yeah. it's a group that's sort of capable of looking as engaged and as, you know, in, I don't even say in it, but like they were, you know, they, they had the opportunity against Dallas. And we've seen prior incarnations of this team roll over and die, for lack of a better term, when they get down two goals, three goals, however many goals in the first period of a game. And that happened against Dallas, and they did not roll over and die. They battled back multiple times. And then the, uh, they just didn't have that that kind of battle in them, that kind of life in them on Monday. And it's I've used the term perplexing. This is a very weird team this year. It's it's hard mm-hmm. to get your finger on because, you know, I, I've had friends, you know, who cover other teams out of market to ask me, like, so what's the deal with the Flames this year? And my best answer in text is the shrug emoji because huh. I, I, I still, you know, having watched 70 games, however many preseason games, however many, you know, uh, scrimmages, practices, whatever, I still don't feel like I have a good handle on this team right now. That... Monday was a really concerning effort and and it was concerning because of when it happened that was game 71 the flames are now 71 of 82 which doing some quick math on the calculator they are now 86.5% of the way through their season and as they moved past the 85% mark they were capable of putting that type of effort on the ice with Everything's still on the table for them, 
and the opportunity that they had to really put the pressure on a couple of teams. It's not just that they lost and failed to take advantage of an opportunity, Pike. It's that they failed to take advantage of that opportunity in the fashion that they did. And there were times where they looked like they had rolled over. There were times when it looked like they were defeated, and that, at this stage of the season, is really concerning to me. Um, And I know it's only one game, and I know there's 11 to go, and there's 22 points still on the table, and again, they could be as close as two points after Tuesday night, depending on how things go, but that doesn't make what I saw in L.A. any less concerning. And you have what we saw on the ice, and then you have all of the discourse that was swirling around on Monday after Elliot said what he said on the 32 thoughts podcast. Yeah. To play like that in that situation was alarming to me. Um, and, and the Daryl Sutter conversation hit a fever pitch on our flames talk post game on Monday. And part of that is because of these comments from Elliot Friedman. If you're wondering what we're referring to, this was Elliot on the latest 32 thoughts podcast, which dropped on Monday morning. Kadri gets benched. It's a weird benching to me. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the the one thing I'll say about Kadri is the best thing about him, and you remember his interview on the ice last year with, with Dave Amber after they won the Cup, he's blunt. He's going to say what's on his mind. And I've heard that Kadri's been very vocal about what he sees going on in Calgary and why the team isn't firing on all cylinders. And I think he's been very blunt about just the communication between players and the coach there. So I'm betting some of that frustration boiled over in that game on Saturday night. So you hear that from Elliot, and then you see what happened on on Monday night. Yeah, it's even more alarming. And I look, I know that there have been multiple veterans this year, that there have been times where they have not seen eye to eye with Daryl Sutter or have not been on the same page, uh, who have butted heads, whatever term you want to use. Yeah. I think there have been multiple occasions this season I, I can, of veterans uh, not being on the same page. With I the can coach. think of one, you know, let's just call a spade a spade. I mean, I don't think it's any secret. I can't imagine Jonathan Huberto is particularly enamored with how he's been used in Calgary. His agent, you know, Alan Walsh doesn't come out and have multiple snarky tweets about yeah it ain't just one tweet yeah he's you know and he had the you know the uh the definition of an insanity tweet and he had the a couple very snarky tweets about uh the first game where uh, when he was back on the right wing he scored that goal and he po- posted calgary flames right winger uh or left, left winger, winger left winger he's back on the left side after playing on the right side for 34 games and he's like oh left winger uh, jonathan huberdo scores that point and then so i mean you know let's let's be completely honest here i mean these guys are competitive. They're I don't I think you can go to thirty one other markets and when teams aren't winning and teams aren't doing what they feel they are capable of doing, you're gonna have veteran players, even non veteran players, butting heads with the coaching staff. That's kind of what they do. I think But this to this one, degree, yeah. To this degree, yeah. it seems a little bit wacky and a little bit concerning. So the public ones are are number ten and number ninety one. Uh, I don't there's any doubt about that. Um, Jonathan Huberdo is, is the one that has been most publicized. I think you got a pretty good idea based on what you just heard from Elliot, even what Nazem Kadri said on Saturday when our, our buddy Salam from TSN asked him about whether or not, you know, just the adjustment to playing fewer minutes. He said, that's not really in my control. I do my, like, 
I, I think that there is there is no doubt that Jonathan Huberdeau, for most of this season, has not seen eye to eye with the coach. There's no doubt that over the last number of weeks, months, same is true with Kadri and the coach. Um, I and I don't think I, well, no, I know that those aren't the only veterans. I, there have been multiple veterans on different occasions that there have been disconnects with this coach. I think it's been a disjointed room as a result at times this year. And here's what I know for sure. This either has to get fixed with the current human beings. So these relationships have to get fixed or a change has got to be made. And that change is either a new coach or the players go elsewhere because, because this cannot be a thing next year. You cannot have another year where this type of dysfunction exists. There's only 11 games to go and maybe the playoffs after this, this is got to be something that is either solved or dismantled or, or fixed by subtraction yeah. for next year. I, I know that and, much. And I'll tell you this, you know, you know, you, you know, know me as a, a, someone who pays a lot of attention to contracts and CBA stuff. Uh, Nazem Kadri, full no move. Jonathan Huberto starting next season when his extension kicks in full, no move. Yeah. Uh, and that those guys have full, no moves for a while and contracts that would be difficult to move. Whereas, you know, coach coaches, there's no salary cap for coaches, but you also probably don't, you know, if you're the owners of this club, you don't want to be going paying guys to not play or not coach for you. So I I wouldn't want to be in the chair that's responsible for managing this kind of situation because there's no way it's easy. There's a lot of variables, a lot of very big, conflicting, contrasting personalities with very well-defined ways of doing things. Jonathan Huberto, you know, played the way he did in Florida for 11 years. And he's used to a certain way of doing things. And of course, there'd be an adjustment coming here. But I don't think it's been as smooth, nearly as smooth an adjustment as anyone anticipated. I don't think that's telling tales out of school. Nope. Nazem Kadri, you know, comes comes in after winning a Stanley Cup. And I think when you win a Stanley Cup playing the way he likes to play, I think that really cements in his mind what the right way of running a team, what the right way of playing a game. Right, right, you know, it cements a lot of things. I don't think, if you're not some Kadri, I don't think you feel halfway about how you play. I think you're really, you know, cemented in your habits and in your mindset around the game. And I don't think it's unfair to claim that Daryl Sutter, after however many decades in the game, also has a very well-defined thought process. I mean, we use the term Daryl Sutter exactly hockey. exactly it, is that you're talking about Let's let's just take the case of the guys that we've talked about before. Huberdeau, Kadri. Yeah. You're talking about two guys that are more than a decade into their NHL careers, have been very accomplished NHLers by doing things a certain way. Kadri just won a, won a damn Stanley Cup by doing things a and certain he, way. He did the hard way, too. I mean, how he was injured for how much of that playoff run? And and had you know some of the the, the Jordan Bennington stuff and the the St Louis I almost I almost swore the St Louis uh, the St Louis racist garbage that he had to deal with during that yeah. series he absolutely did it the hard way came out vindicated and and you know so you got these two guys that come in with 
they've gotten to where they are as extremely successful NHLers with hundreds and hundreds of NHL games under their belt and, and incredible accomplishments the prior season, both having career years. One guy winning a Stanley Cup, they come in with a very set way that one, they've done one, things. One guy set was second in the league scoring, tied with Johnny Gaudreau in points, and set the all-time single-season record for assists by left wing. Precisely. You don't do that and you know, feel halfway about how you're playing. You do that and then you're, you're trade for by the flames. And then they offer you, you know, a metric ton of money and say, you know, we believe in you. We love you. We want you. Here's a long-term deal. Here's a no move. Here's this, that, and the other thing, the biggest contract in flames history before you put on it is sweater once. There's no way that doesn't really, you know, buttress the way you feel about your game on both for both Kadri and Huberto. I think both those guys come to Calgary thinking, I'm Jonathan Huberto. I'm Nazem Kadri. I have had so much success where I've been, especially recently. And if someone asked me to change a lot about how I do things, about how I go about my business, I might have my back up about it. And vice versa. If you're Daryl Sutter and you've had, especially Jack Adams winner Daryl Sutter, the guy who two Stanley Cups. Now he's got his Jack Adams. Absolutely. And, and let's 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 call a spade a spade for body of work. Daryl Sutter's probably going the Hall of Fame. He's a probably a Hall of Fame coach based on his body of work, one of the all-time winningest coaches. If you look at, if you go to the NHL's website and just go through the record section in terms of guys with multiple cups, regular season success, playoff success, very few in the history of the game has had that kind of success. And I think when you have three guys, like you said, three guys with those kind, that kind of pedigree and that kind of philosophy about how the game should be played and their placement within it. I mean, I don't think there's, I don't think, uh, it's a. I, I don't think it's a secret. This is probably why these are the guy. These are the couple of guys we've heard about so far because they're probably the guys who, based on where they are, the team, the contractually in the lineup, whatever, they they're probably maybe a little yeah. bit less hesitant about being vocal about it or as publicly vocal about it. But I wouldn't doubt, based on how the season's gone, I wouldn't doubt that there's other guys in the room feeling the same way. Uh, I want to read a few texts here at nine sixty nine sixty in just a second. But before we do that. Two other points. First of all, I was I was thinking, I cannot remember very many games like what we saw Monday night in the circumstance that we saw it in. And what I mean by that is we've seen them get blown out before. I remember Pittsburgh at home. Uh, I remember nine nothing in Boston. Like I, I remember that was that blowouts. was that was the uh, what the the game where. Someone was minus six, and I think uh, it was Chris seven Butler. seven was Chris Butler. Chris Butler. I believe that it remains an NHL record to this day. Poor Butsy. One of my absolute favorite NHLers yeah. ever. Yeah, but th- there's games like that, but there's games like that where you're like, eh, you know. Well, and they don't happen in quite the same circumstance. At game 71, with everything still on the table, in a tooth-and-nail playoff race, I can't remember anything quite like that. The only one that I can remember that was similar and not to the same degree was Glenn Gullitson's last year death march, and it was an Arizona game. Mike Smith had come back after being hurt. He never could refine it again, and they lost 5-2 at, at, in, in Glendale that night, and I remember it feeling kind of the same. You're like, oh. And look, I don't know what's going to happen in the next 11 games, but I know what happened after that 5-2 loss in Arizona in 2018, and it was just kind of like, yeah, that they 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 seem like they're done now. the The situation was they were further out of it then than they are now. But that's the last time I can remember a game being kind of that emphatic in the way that they lost. 
at this stage of the season. It's yeah, been like a long we've, time. Because like, we've, we've seen earlier ones like that Pittsburgh loss was in October. Uh, there was a, a game in, I think, 15-16. I vividly remember this game where Dale Weiss, when he was with Montreal in Calgary, scoring a hat-trick and... The, the Flames having to sit on the bench demoralized in the third period when hats were raining down from opposition fans in their building. Like, that was definitely a low point. But it's also a low point in October when you have 60 games or 70 games to bounce back from it and, and to, you know, take those lessons. I mean, by game 71, if you're still learning those types of lessons, something's gone wrong. Uh, and yet... Depending on the way things go on Tuesday night, <laughs> could be two back with even games played. Could be six back with even games played. But despite how Monday went, and I don't know. I don't know where the Flames are right now because there's a lot of people who looked at what happened in Los Angeles and feel like they quit. And if that's the case, then probably the next 11 games aren't so good. If that's not true and they use what happened against L.A. and say, screw that, we're not that, we're better than that, well, then maybe this thing still has interest and intrigue with 11 games to go. Everything remains still on the table for them. Yeah, They're only four back with 11 games to go. That's not easy. It's an uphill climb, but they're by, by no means from a standing standpoint with the way that Winnipeg is just ushering everybody in. Like, come on in. You know what? Anaheim, yeah. we, we, we want to leave the door open for you. There's no reason standings-wise that the Flames should feel like they're done. In, in- but if they, if they play... If, or, or if the people that believe that this team is waving the white flag are correct, well, then it doesn't matter how far back they are. Yeah, and until Winnipeg or Nashville can show the ability to string wins together, they're still alive. And while they're still alive, there's still some hope. But the math isn't pretty. The math was never going to be pretty. The math's only going to get worse. But, you know, they, they still, with 11 games left, with the number of games against divisional opponents, the number of games against non-playoff teams... You know, they, they still have a lot of things on the table, but, you know, it's uh, it's not going to be easy. And uh, the, t- the type of loss they had on Monday definitely will make it any easier. Uh, okay. Text line now, 960-960. Uh, let me read this one to you because I think it speaks to where a lot of, not a lot of people, but some people are, a, a certain section of fans. I don't think it's, realistic in this day and age, but I'm going to read it anyway. Um, Players don't get to not be on the same page as the coach. They are paid handsomely to be on the same page as the coach. If there are players on the flames who aren't on the same page as Daryl after 71 games, they're not doing their jobs. And that is not realistic in the year 2023 with athletes paid as they are. That's just not... Major League Baseball, National Football League, National Basketball Association, Premier League Soccer, National Hockey League. It doesn't work that way. Nope. It just doesn't. As much as I do, well, no, you're a professional and you get on what's, the same page. Uh, it does not work that the, way. The, the league's average salary now is what, two-ish? Sounds about right. Around two, 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 I think it's, I, I forget, I for, forgive me, Central Registry, for not running the number. It was about 2.3 last year, thereabouts. And so... You know, most coaches in the league are probably like the best coaches in the league are probably making, you know, I think Jared Bednar, I think the he just got an extension with Colorado when his extension kicks in. I think the report I saw was his 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 uh, pay will be a little bit less than five, around five million a year. 
he's an outlier. Like Jared Bednar is an exceptional coach. Only the tippity top Stanley Cup winning coaches, multiple, you know, consistent like John Cooper. Cam says it's three point one is the average. Three point one. Yeah, that's even that's even more than I thought. Yeah, but the, so like, how many coaches are making more than three point one? If you go on cap friendly, probably not too many, and maybe the the league average for coaches is in the in, within spitting distance of the the league average for players probably isn't though and players have long-term contracts that are guaranteed and no move and no trades mm-hmm. and coaches don't and whether you like it or not the job of the current day NHL coach is to relate to the superstars and to the best players and to the highest paid players and i'm not None of this is on any one side. Like it's not. This is not a sole issue. If if we're talking about Huberdo and Daryl butting heads, there are two that play into that. It it does take two to have a fractured relationship. So by no means is this just on Nazem Kadri or just on Jonathan Huberdo or just on Daryl Sutter. It's not. It just isn't. But it's got to get fixed, is all I know. And if it can't get fixed with the human beings all in the under the same roof, it's got to be fixed by some t- sort of subtraction, whether that's the coach or the players. I just you can't have this again next year if it's not going to be fixed. A few other t- go ahead. Sorry, no, oh, more you well, I just there's a bunch more. I want to. Uh, I'll read you this one from our, our buddy Joel and Claire's home. Uh, There's been so many criticisms of every part of the Flames game throughout the year. I do believe a certain amount of all of it was not necessarily a bad room, but an uncomfortable or confused room from Coach Sutter down. They've got 11 games to go. Come together now to take a real shot or don't and continue to be in limbo. Uh, This says the Kings were flying last night. Uh, Several of those players like Kopitar played under Sutter. Does it look like the Kings are still playing Sutter style uh, of hockey? I don't think so. Sutter's a great coach, but his style doesn't work with the kinds of players that the Flames currently have. Uh, This reads um, from Ron. Do they really want to make the playoffs, or do they want this season over with and hit the reset button for next year? They seem to play hard enough every second or third game just to keep our interest in the team as a fan. This from Tim and Hillhurst. If you bend a paperclip back and forth enough times, eventually it breaks. That happened against the Kings for me. Uh, Jim says, I've been disinterested since they lost to Anaheim at home. Couldn't imagine they'd have a chance after that. Then they weirdly did have a chance thanks to the Jets, and then they blew it again. This reads, every time I get a little hope, they come out with a performance like Monday night. I'm done believing in any chance. They look deflated and checked out. If the Ducks want them tonight, maybe they look at a coaching change, but doubtful. Uh, Walshy in Strath Vegas, or uh, he says Eeyore Walshy in Strath Vegas. I think my glass fell off the table and broke months ago. Then I slipped on the water, landed on my backside. P.S. Has anyone seen my tail? Well played. Uh, I hope I'm just not suckered here, but I'm glass half full still. Maybe spilt a sip, but half full nonetheless. Still a lot of potential and just enough time to make something happen. This reads, expect disappointment and you won't be disappointed. This year's team is consistent in that regard 
Brenton Calgary, I'm a fan, and just as a fan whips up the sparks to embers to flames to an inferno, so do we with our flames. Go, flames, go. I'm counting on 10 straight wins. And finally, from Brett in Calgary, not going to lie, Pat, when it was 4 nothing at the end of the first, I turned off the game. I just couldn't sit there and listen to them do this to themselves again. Uh, as always, great stuff on our text line at 960-960. There you go. That's our look inside hockey for Calgary Co-op. Calgary's is the only family of products curated for the tastes of Calgarians, and you'll only find them at Calgary Co-op. Hey, it's Haley Salvian from The Athletic. For a look at the latest on your Calgary Flames and NHL news, go click and subscribe to the Hockey Central 960 podcast. While you're there, please rate and review the show. Flames Talk is live on Calgary's Hockey Station. Sportsnet 960, the fan. Steinberg and Pike as this hour rolls on. A few things to get into rapid fire with you, Pike. You get, you get the sense that Jacob Markstrom's a little tired right now? I mean, he's played a lot of hockey in the last month. And, uh, I mean, let's let, if you look back at the, the goals he gave up in the last two games, he gave up six against Dallas. He gives up six against uh, L.A. I don't think you can really look at a lot of the goals and go, ooh, that was a bad one. But he also, the those kind of heroic saves that we'd seen in previous games weren't there nearly as frequently in and in situations in both games where they kind of needed them to be. So I don't know if it, he's tired, but I think, you know, maybe seeing the results they're seeing, maybe you want to revisit how they're using the goaltender down the stretch, depending on how things go. I think you could make a case that, that fatigue is, has started to catch up here over the last couple of games. And look, being a goaltending expert, like I am, no, I mean, knowing next to nothing about the position, when you really think about it, People who aren't in the position, we know nothing about it. It's such a stupid position. In saying that, the very little that I do know about it, he, against Dallas, was kicking out rebounds at a rate and and to areas that we were not seeing prior. That uh, that Jason Robertson goal really stands that, out to me. That one? That's, that's the one that stands out to me. You're right, because that was... Two kicked out rebounds right back to Stars, and the third time it eventually goes in. He fought it on the second game tying goal from Hockenpah. And then as good as the finish was from Robertson on the OT winner, you probably need a stop there as well. And then you fast forward a few days later, and he lets in six against the Kings. And I would suggest that the four that were let in in the first period, yeah. tough to put on him. And then the you two have that were let in the, in the second period. The, the breakaway, he had one goal squeak under his arm, another goal squeak under his other that arm. That second Kempe one, I mean, it didn't really matter. It was 5 1, but you, you needed a stop there. That, so I get, I'm just, I'm seeing things from Markstrom in his last two starts that I hadn't seen in his prior eight. And that leads me to believe that sitting him down Tuesday night against the Ducks is the way to go. I, and I, I thought that I've been very much on the train that they should go to Vladar against Anaheim, period. And I'm even more of that thought now after seeing what I've seen the last the, couple of starts. If, if you're them, though, are you think are they thinking, oh, man, 
Didn't get any points out of L.A. Now you need to get points out of Anaheim. Does that make you more or less likely to put Markstrom back in? I don't know what they're going to do. I honestly have no idea. And and the fact you could read them going to Dan in the third period against the Kings, you could read it as a good sign that they're going to go to Vladar against the Ducks or is it a good sign they're going to go to Markstrom against the Ducks? Yeah. I, I don't know what they're going to do. I just vehemently believe it, that they should go it, to Vladar. It, it keeps the Markstrom door open, but... I agree with you. I think, you know, especially you, you, you need, you're going to need both guys. I, and especially they have what, what one more back to back left in the season. You're going to need to use him again. You don't want him playing one period over seven weeks or something and expecting to be sharp. Yeah. And, you know, in, in the unlikely event that something, you know, heaven forbid happens to Markstrom and then you need to go to, to Vildar, you don't want to go to a guy that's ice cold. What is the timeline here on the earliest Matt Coronado could sign a contract? Well, if he hates college and doesn't want to play in the playoffs, he could sign any day now. More likely, uh, there's uh, Harvard's in the, uh, they qualified for the NCAA National Tournament. They're playing their regional bracket in scenic Bridgeport, Connecticut, home of the former Bridgeport Sound Tigers of the American League. Now they're the Bridgeport Islanders because they hate fun names. Uh, but... Bring so back the sound. Tigers. Bring back the sound tigers. But so the the uh, in Bridgeport is a the the regional. They will have, I believe, they're playing Ohio State uh, at a game that starts at noon on Friday. Uh, so Bradley Living apparently is, uh, according to our friend Eric Francis of Sportsnet, headed there to yes. Can, just, can, he, you know what? I, I he's he, I can't conf- like yeah. He's, yeah. Go, he's, he's going there and he's, he's going to watch. He's going to go hang. He he just really likes college hockey. No, he want <laughs> no. He wants to go watch their prize prospect. Uh, Brad will go there Friday, and the earliest that they can start talking contract, they will. So they play Friday, Friday, and then if they win, they play Sunday, correct? Yeah, so it's Friday afternoon and Sunday afternoon. So, so the earliest that Brad could start talking contract is this weekend. Yeah, it'd be presumably, let's say Harvard loses to Ohio State. Ohio State nationally is ranked about where Harvard was in the, the pairwise rankings, Harvard was seventh, Ohio State was eighth. So there, it's a competitive game, but there's no one, you know, you wouldn't expect Harvard to run away with it, nor would you expect Ohio State to run away with it. So if Harvard happens to lose, I imagine some version of the story would be Bradshaw Living taking the kid out to dinner, talking to his family, talking to his family advisor, because college players don't have agents, even though they have they have agents that are just not called agents. Uh, but I imagine they make a, a pitch to him that will probably involve a league max, a rookie max contract with a $925,000 cap hit plus bonuses. The bonuses part, Patty, is this part that I'm kind of interested in. Uh, Coronado was drafted 13th overall. Uh, generally speaking, players drafted down there get about $400,000 to $500,000 in uh, potential achievable performance bonuses. Uh if you want to really lean on him to sign, maybe you put that number up. There's really, there's no rule about what, you know, it's not like baseball where you have specific bonus slots for players. It's more of a convention. Uh, Johnny Gaudreau, who is a, you know, picked in the hundreds in the fourth round, got full bonuses. He got full $850,000 bonuses because he was a Hobie Baker winner. And that's what it took to sign him. If, so if you're the flames and you're Coronado, you know what kind of base salary he's going to get, but the bonuses and what it'll take to sort of you know sweeten the pot a bit to get him in here, I think that'll be interesting. But yeah, we'll see. I mean, Harvard's good. They're not a powerhouse team this year. They're a very good team. And 
it it wouldn't shock me if they lost Friday. It also wouldn't shock me if they won both games and were playing into the Frozen Four uh, April 6th and 8th in Tampa. So Harvard plays Ohio State on Friday. If they win that game, they'd play the winner of Quinnipiac and Mer- or, uh, or Merrimack. Quinnipiac's um, a great team this year. the, the number although, two seed. Although the funniest thing is Colgate, the team that won the ECAC, uh, that the conference that Harvard's in, they beat Quinnipiac on uh, on Friday night, and then they beat Harvard on Saturday night. That's why Quinnipiac and Harvard are both uh, at-large bids, because neither of them, the top two teams in their conference by a country mile, actually won their playoffs. Yep. One-game playoffs are weird, and Harvard's about to go back into a scenario where it's a one-game playoff, and if you lose, you're out. And, yeah, it's... Uh, it's going to be interesting uh, in over the weekend. You know, Coronado scored his 20th goal of the season. Uh, he's a well, he's an over point per game player. He's had back to back seasons of 36 points. He can play center. He can play the wing. He's a right shot. He's got arguably the best shot in the organization for any player not named Tyler Toffoli. Uh, and yeah, we'll we'll see what happens. It's it's going to be a fascinating 72 hours for the Flames between Friday and Sunday because. You know, potentially they could be waiting a lot longer or potentially he could be on a plane and skating with the club on the weekend. Which would also be an interesting wrinkle, knowing how things have gone with young players before. Uh, So here's the deal. Friday, for sure they're playing. If they win, they play Sunday. If they win both those games, uh, April 6th and April 8th are the Frozen Four and championship games. And And that would leave a little bit less of a window for him to get games in. So the earliest he could be being talked to and being wooed would be this weekend, depending on what happens Friday when Harvard takes on Ohio State. Here's what I know. The Flames are feeling quite good about their chances to sign him. He is not committed either way because he's focused on playing at Harvard. Uh, But yes, the the Flames are feeling good that they will be able to get him to sign. But until it happens... Mm, that that remains in the ether. Yeah, they you know he's he's a he's come out here for development camps. He's you know well regarded. They've you know Ray Edwards, their development coach, has seen a lot of him. Uh, Ray Edwards is you know, he, he coached in New England, so he's sort of connected with a lot of places. So you know he's he's around that area anyway. Uh, you know they they've made their admiration for the player both you know well known both publicly and privately. So you know it's uh if you're you know if you're if you're thinking. You know, if you're a little bit nervous, we'll see what happens. He's not signed till he signs. All indications are good, but, you know, until he's on a plane to meet the club to play a game, you know, nothing, nothing's done until it's done. Yeah. But, you know, the, the, the tea leaves are looking okay. They're as looking tea leaves okay. Go, yeah. As tea leaves go. Uh, and quickly, in about uh, 90 seconds, uh, what is the latest on... A new arena because we've got another meeting this month. Yeah, well, so there's two ways. On Friday, there's two ways of looking at this, Pat. So they met on March the 10th, two Friday or Friday ago, two Fridays ago. Uh, so they're having basically two meetings in a three week span. Uh, Friday the 24th, they're meeting uh, at City Hall again. Uh, the good news is they probably have enough stuff to fill another meeting two weeks later. That's a good sign. Uh, if you're just thinking, oh well, meetings are pretty close together, that must mean they're close. But may not necessarily. Uh, city council is off for spring break next week. Then they're back for a four day work week uh, the week after because Good Friday is a holiday for for City Hall. And then the following week uh, they're off again. So in one way it's good because they wanted to get a meeting in. The other way maybe they just want to get this meeting in now because they wouldn't be able to do it for another three weeks. 
So we'll see. But Will you be uh, there on Friday? I'll be there Friday. I'll bring a book. That's what I like about you. Uh, that is the next arena meeting with the um, uh, arena committee. We'll see how it goes. Fingers crossed. Well, the first question we're going to ask in the scrum, Pat, is do we have a deal yet? Exactly. And hopefully... The answer is yes. Wouldn't that be fun? He's Pike. My name is Pat. Our producers this hour have been Cam and Taylor. That'll wrap us up this hour on the Sports Drive. Brought to you by Calgary Lock and Safe. Be proactive in protecting your property. Get a full security audit from Calgary Lock and Safe. Visit calgarylockandsafe.com.